Gentlemen, in Scottsdale, Arizona, the core presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Marjorie Adam and Mike Wood. Today's topic, sharpening your sales skills, the four points of the sale. All right, guys, we're going to get started. So, you guys, four parts to a sale. So, what I'm excited about with this is I started in the core in, like, 2009, and we used to teach all kinds of four parts to a sale class. And I feel like we really haven't focused on that in a lot of years because all the, all the CDs back then were four parts to a sale. And we really have one CD per part to a sale. And I think we kind of have forgotten how important – this is the basics, right, which aren't that sexy – but they're super important. So I think this is really great. I was really excited to teach it. I'm super excited to teach it with Mike Tesla Wood totally over here. To teach it, uh, then she realized I was there, and she was still okay. <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit about Mike Wood. So the funny part is I was sitting with him at the table this morning, and they were like, let's talk about your net worth. And I was like, oh, boy, because I'm sitting next to this one. So I was really happy we ran out of time. But Mike Wood, um, super I, what I love about him is he, he, is a, he has a great dry sense of humor. He's very funny. He jokes around, but he's got a super serious business, so, right? So if you don't know him that well, I don't think you realize how great he is, right? How good he is with his team, like how serious he is. I mean, you are. So I've learned a ton from him. I told him, I'm like, why he didn't take me on the Tesla train? I don't know. I'm really trying to not hold it against him. But um, he is, I'm a huge preparer. I'm like an over-preparer. Him, not so much. So we work well together in teaching a class. But I'm just telling you, if you can spend some good time with him and really see, like, how he's developed his team, how he runs his business, how he has a great time. Follow him on social media. You'll learn all about Parmesan. Yeah. Um, but... How he can do all that and balance things really well. He's got the most wonderful he married up. Let's just talk I about it. I did marry up. He has the most wonderful wife. But That's just a key such life a, right yeah, there. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, get yourself a Just spouse. an amazing guy. So thank you. I'm very excited to teach with Mike Wood. Yay. So Mike, Mike's going to tell you a little bit about his team. I'll tell you a little about my team. So I have a very small team that got even smaller this year. My brother left. So he was with me for 15 years, and he ended up leaving in May. So I only have two people in me. And then my child has come part-time and does marketing for me. So graduated from college. Alex has come to work with me. We'll never be a realtor ever. Ever. Um, it's like never. Um, so I have a super small team. be a lender. Yes, exactly, <laughs> because we all should have been. Um, but the, the thing that's great about this, and especially what we're going to teach here in this class, is how important the four parts of the sale are, but how your team needs to be involved not only in managing you through them, but in making sure they happen. So, Mike, tell them a little bit about your team before we get started? So my team is comprised of six RP1s. Every Raise your hand if you do not know what an RP1 and RP2 is. We're good? Cool. This is going to be so much fun. Bro, I've never had such an intimate class. This is going to be amazing. We need to get all of your questions answered. I've got um, one, two, three, four, five, five RP1, and I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, R six RP2s, well, seven RP2s, um, and then I have a listing specialist, RP2. So one salesperson that just does listings with me, she goes with me, comes back, takes all the notes, does everything, and then I have one uh, RP2 showing agent who just handles my, my, like, VIP, and then the other six simply take all the leads that come in for the team. 
So a pretty good sized team. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's where you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, how much is my payroll? How much is my payroll? <laughs> um, but it also, it also makes the process extremely easy and allows me to do things like come here and spend three or four days without stressing out because nine years ago, I would be in a seat on my phone going, oh, God, close. You've got the money. Close. You know, doing that. So, um, but it was all because of the structure and it was all because of what the core taught me. So, and let's not undersell you for a second, young lady. That was a really nice little sugar-coated, Mark's a great guy, which we all know is BS. No. Marjorie Adam, no S, um, total rock star, eight to 11 deals per month. Yep. Steady, steady, steady. Team of, and every day, working it like a boss, one of my favorite females, I mean, I got a lot, but you're one of them for sure, um, and a great example of just a good person. I mean. Thank you. All right, so let's talk about this. Four parts to a sale, what are they? Or, what's the other word for that? Initial contact. First call. Yeah. So initial contact. So lead, lead generation. Right. What's the second one? Oh, wow, we really needed this class. Building rapport. What's the third one? Holy Toledo. I was like, can we what's clothing? The most, what's the most important part of the sale? Clothing. And then the fourth part, I'm just going to tell you, because I think you guys need help with this, yeah. is follow-up. So Jason, follow-up. There you go. Follow-up. Right. Initial contact, building rapport, closing, and follow-up. Okay, so when you hear these four parts, from your gut right now before the class starts, I want you to talk, I want you to star the one you think you're best at. So you think, oh, I'm a rock star at initial contact, building rapport, closing or follow-up. And then what's your weakness? Right, so we're going to work with you through these four. It's a lot for one class. I will tell you it could be, I taught this with Jim Bass, just initial contact. So we're not going to go super, super deep because we won't have the time. But we're going to touch base on all the foreign things that you need to work on on all of them, okay? But before we get super into that, the problem we all have with the sales process and why we can't really be good at all four parts of them is because we're disorganized squirrels going into our day, right? So the problem is if you guys haven't really mastered your calendar and your time blocking, and have a team member holding you accountable, it's really hard to complete the four parts to a sale. All right, does that make sense? Because we all have a great intentions of getting our phone calls done. We know what we should do. I love Josh's class this morning because he said if it's on your, I mean, he's just, I love him. But it's like, if it's on your calendar, stop putting it on your calendar if you're not going to do it. And I was like, oh, that kind of hurt, right? Because how often everyone in this room are like, yeah, not today, not today. So you really need to first take a second and say, okay, is my perfect calendar, is my calendar set? Do I have my prospecting time set? Is, are my calls blocked on my calendar, right? And do I have my daytime planned? Because when you don't, then everything we're going to talk about in the four parts of a sale don't matter. So if your assistant isn't handing you your call list, if they're not holding you accountable to your time blocks, if you are like running like a crazy person all day, if you don't understand the value of green time, then the perfect sales day and these four parts don't happen. 
So I know this is super basic, but we're still all struggling with that. I know because I coach y'all, and I still struggle with it. So if I'm struggling with it, I can guess you are, right? So you guys really, before you take these things back that we're going to go over today, you need to really make sure that you honor the calendar, that you get your call list, that you actually make the calls, right? That you complete the tasks you need to complete to make these things happen, okay? All right. So... Mike. Yes, ma'am. As we get into this initial contact, well, let's ask you, when you guys hear, you're doing so well <laughs> so far, when you hear initial contact, what, is, what, do you, what, what do you think about within it? What does that mean to you? Right. So it's your first contact, however that comes. But what else is really, if you're talking about four parts to a sale, there is the first call, but what's really initial contact? It's a lead generation. Right, so I need you to think of this, and Mike's going to cover really the kind of first meeting, first call part. I'm going to kind of focus on the lead generation, but it's two things. So if you told me or you thought, oh, I'm a genius at initial contact, if you understand that means that you have a strategized, planned out intake system, right, when someone contacts you, however they contact you, that's initial contact. But if you're not getting enough leads, you're not keeping track of your leads, it can't be your strength. Right, because it's two parts. So, Mike, take them a little bit through kind of the first contact and that part of initial contact. So, we, we somebody has called from, where do you want them to have come from? Doesn't matter. So, someone's called into the office, they want to list with you. So, getting them to call is the biggest challenge. Um, God, I'd love to say that I was going to be on that phone call, but I'm not. But your team is, my, right? My team is. Uh, so really quickly, that phone call gets received with, um, in this case, my RP2 that handles listings. And the first thing she wants to know is, do they own a house? Are they, uh, do, can they sell the house? What their motivation is to sell the house? What the time frame is to sell the house? Um, what I'm going to find out is the fourth most important thing, and it's when I get there, is are they going to play by my rules, right? Yeah. So the way I find that out is through building rapport, and, and I don't want to get too far. Yeah, don't go too far yet. Yeah, because yeah. we, we want to stick on this. But um, I think the, the biggest challenge for us is how do we get them to, to make that phone call, right? So let's talk about ways... That, that we could make that call ring with somebody that says, and, and this is the most important part of what it is we do, because I don't care how well you convert, like James converts at a really high level, right? I, you get on the phone with somebody, it's a done deal, right? But if we can't get somebody to make that phone call to you, then you're just like the GE repair... Yeah. Nobody remembers. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Or Whirlpool. It was a joke to see which one of you knew it. You felt No, I appreciate it. That's exactly it, though, is you can be the best at something, but if there's nobody there, then you're just going to be the best converter with absolutely no leads. So let's talk. Let's, let's talk. And I want you guys to do it at your, at your table. It's going to be easier for some of you than others. Um, really quickly, starting with the shortest hair to the all the way around to the right and and tell me what your best lead generation source is ready longest hair goes first go
super strategically, right? So did you all were, so here's a question. How many of you was it past client or past client referrals? Okay, that's the goal, right? So if your hand isn't up, what, what was it? So a couple people didn't have their hands up. Okay, so at least what's good is we're doing a better ta better job taking care. That was you, okay. You would, would you guys be okay if I put database as, as one? Okay. Sorry, please continue. No, that's fine. So if, that, if that's the goal, right, so that means we're doing something right here because your PCs and PCRs should be number one, right? Ads, as long as they're not the top one, but they're still in there, right? So how about, so here's what I want to know. How many of you is at CCRs? How many of you are killing it with CCRs? Interesting. Good Scott job. Ford, Scott said he's killing it. So Scott Foreman, hence why. Scott and Travis. He's doing so well. Are you? No, it's actually so Travis is pushing, pushing, Good. Yeah. So what is it you're doing? What's uh, what, what's the behavior? Uh, just kind of asking exactly what Colton says. Like, you know, hey, I know real estate is kind of heavy into mind right now. Um, and you can imagine, I love working with you. I've done a good job. And the whole business so far, they've all said, yeah, I love working with you. And I said, hey, this is kind of weird for me. But, you know, if there's anybody else in your family or your friend circle that's thinking about real estate, would you be willing to give my name? Sure. And actually, I have to. And it's like... Wow, this is random that you're This actually works. Like you know, you can only use that. This is kind of weird for me oh, yeah. one time. <laughs> <laughs> For the first time, it's like, oh, yes, aren't it? He's so nice. And now you can kind of like start to just... You set that expectation. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's amazing what you can get if you ask. Yeah. I love that. So if we think about it, strategically, in the core, we have two forms that focus on initial contact. Right? So the first time the first kind is tracking your contact is a greatness tracker. The form we all love to hate. Right? So strategically think about it, it tracks your face to face, it tracks your initial contact, it tracks your call, all the things you're doing to, to increase your leads, right? So it doesn't lie. This form does not lie. So what I find for realtors anyway is that some are lax in both, not making enough calls, not seeing enough people. But I think when we really get into the greatness tracker, the biggest issue I see is that if we are in front of too many people, we're not getting our calls made. Otherwise, we're not seeing a lot of people, but we're making a lot of calls. So the balance of the greatness tracker seems to be the biggest struggle, right? But if you really, really, if we want to grow our businesses, if we really want to pay attention to the four parts of a sale, you got to really, really strategically look at your greatness tracker and be super honest with yourself and what's not working. Right, so then you have to figure out systems and have your team hold you accountable. So if I can never get my calls made, we have a problem. So am I not getting the list? Am I not holding tight to the time? Right, what is it? Am I just allowing myself to schedule over it? Right, we have to figure that out. And then your face-to-faces. So are they strategic? Am I in front of people that need to buy, people that need to sell, and VIPs? Or am I just running into people randomly and going, ooh, that counts? Right, and but it's not because you know Saul McCroger. There's another one, right? So I'm sorry. What was your name again? Exactly. Julie. Yeah, nice exactly. You, Julie. you know. Oh, do you need to buy a house? Okay, sorry, that counts. Right. So I think so. One really strategically. I know this is super simple, but it's not. Is number one is the greatness tracker. It doesn't lie. Are you filling it? Initial contact rate. Are we seeing enough? And are we then? If you're making a hundred calls and you're not getting any leads, why? 
right? Like, so again, a lot of people are like, dang, my coach is going to make me turn this in. Here it is. But I don't think we look at it and say, okay, here really was this week. Like, we make excuses, and I'm the queen. I can give you the best excuse for anything. I can run. Oh, I mean, like, you know, Rick will say something, and I'll be like, I need to really, I need to think about this for a while. I need to see the difference between me and Jay Fletch. Um, really. Jay's like, yes, sir, and I bought a book, and I did it, and I'm like, no, no. I still, I, I'm not trying to feel, <laughs> like, I've got to, yes, I'll adopt it now. It has been eight years, but I'm, I'm feeling good about it now, right? Like, I'm just My shocker's in line. Yes, exactly. It's like, exactly. But think, so, am I in front of the right people? Am I strategic in my meeting? Did I have a purpose of meeting with a business partner, and then I did not complete that mission? Did I ask for the business? Was it the meeting it was supposed to be? I'm making phone calls. Did I make this phone call to complete the greatness tracker, or did I make it for the purpose that was made, right? If I'm making a VIP call, do they know they're a VIP, right? Think about the completion of this form, not as a, I must complete it, but am I completing it properly to get more leads, right, for initial contact? So that's half of it. And then the second half is the lead tracker, right, because we need to have the business coming in. And unfortunately, I think too many people use it as, like, the depository of leads that I have to turn in on the 20th of the month. Instead of the lead tracker is a daily form, it is spoken to with the team, it is here's where we're doing well, is not, this is what's not, guys, why, we haven't gotten any CCRs for eight days, what's happening, or, or PCRs this month are really low. Right? Instead of just, here's the form. And then the miracles, miracles going, look at the bottom. That went well this month. Right. But why? Surprise. Right? So to me, you've really got to use it daily. You're, like for each of your teams, if I called your team right now, could I, and this, what's the goal for the month? How many CCRs do you need this month? How many PCRs do you need this month? How many listings do you have to take this month? How many closings do you have to take this month? How's your conversion? I guarantee your teams will be like, well, oh, oh, ask Bethann, right? Like, so are you really voicing that with them? Do you have strategies with them to get more CCRs, right? So if you need to be a tracker, you still have a high tracker, and you're not getting enough leads, you're not getting enough deals, right? You're saying there's only two things you have to look at, right? You're either not calling the right people, or you're not saying the right thing. You've got to ask the two corrections, right? Right, or, or again, you're just calling people and filling the thing. Wait, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but what Jay just said, too, is, is extremely. And, and let's just have this conversation. If you turn in a full greatness tracker to your coach because a full greatness tracker is required, and yet your business is, isn't going up, did you want to interject? And, and, and you were being untruthful. It'd be like walking into the doctor's office and saying, hey, it just really hurts right here. Can you do something about it? But it's, this isn't where it hurts. It hurts over here. You, you know, if you don't give them the right information, then your coach can't make the right decisions, can't tell you what to do. So, at the end of the day, it's really the time when you or reward you. And the greatness factor is that recognition, right? The greatness factor is more than recognition. Your pay loss records your grade for that month. Yeah, so it's a result. I will expose you or reward you. If you have a full record tracker and you don't see it show up on your pay loss in 30 days, 90 days, 120 days, guess what it tells us? You're lying on there 
before you suck. I'm not counting them correctly. Oh, sorry. I mean counting them correctly. No, but it's true because I think you got to understand like if you're really making your VIP calls, right? So there is a there's a way that you're supposed to make a VIP call. You tell them they're a VIP. You cement why they're a VIP, right? You give them honor. You ask anything I can do for you. And then can I ask you a favor, right? I really need your help. And so I think a lot of people, if we would call your VIPs, they'd be like, oh, I don't know, what does that even mean, right? So have you really ever had the conversation, right? Like when I VIP called Rick, which is terrifying, um, I said to him, I said, Rick, I'm calling. It's Monday. I want to make my VIP call to you. And I, I want you to know why you're my VIP. Not only the obvious, I'm one of your coaches, right? You have taken my business many places. You take care of me personally. He's been great for me. I lost my mom last November. He's just got the heart of gold. A lot of people don't get to see that part, right? They see the like hard, crusty part, but they don't see that part. But I have very few voicemails that I save. My mom's, right, which I can't listen to yet. My dad's, like family members, and Rick Ruby. Right? I save his voicemails. Now, to be fair, I also save him because he really yells at me and then I gotta listen to it and be like, he loves it. Um, he really doesn't love me. But that's the VIP. That's why he's so important to me, right? He's just done so much and I wanna thank him, right? And I just want him to know I'm always here for him. I would do anything for him for everything he's done for me. Right, and that I already know when he sends everyone to Charlottesville, which is super fun for me because you can understand we're probably a little different edge of the spectrum, me and Rick Ruby, in case that wasn't fairly apparent. Uh, but I said, you know, when all of your granola loving liberal friends move to Charlottesville, I need you to send them my way. Okay. So I kind of joke with him a little bit, but right, like, have you told your VIPs why? they are VIPs and why they're so important to you. Do they know, right? If you're calling your past clients to check in, do you really say, how can I help you? It's been really tough with COVID. I talked to tons of them that like have had losses like I have. I mean, just dramatic things happening, having surgery. So we drop gifts by their house, like really have these conversations, right? That's relationship. So you guys, when you're looking at the greatness tracker, did my VIP call really go the way it was supposed to? Are my Thursday calls going that way, right? And then on your lead tracker, so I always tell people the lead tracker, the bottom are your pillars, right? So we don't really talk about the pillars of business. I missed some of the old stuff, and one of them was like our old, um, our old flow chart, which, by the way, I still use. Um, but the pillars of business, it's a very visual. I'm a very visual person. So a CCR is a pillar. So if you have a building, you have to have it stand on pillars. And if one of your pillars isn't there, your building isn't stable. And as this market changes, guys, you better be paying attention to your CCR pillar and your PCR pillar and your business pillar. And you better make sure that your team and you have your systems in place because what happens when all of a sudden your PCs stop moving every three to five years and it becomes 10 years? Right, and that source of business changes. So yes, your PCRs are still there, but they're not moving as often with their 2% interest rate and they are over buying their house that they've done, right? So then you need more PCRs, you need more CCRs. I need way more business people. So you've got to look at each one of these as a pillar 
and use this form for the reason it was intended, not just it's the date I got to turn it into the core and whoops, I didn't get this this month, right? So I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but it's super important. It's, it's the most important yeah. in all honesty, because if, if the leads don't come in, the business doesn't run. I mean, that's the fact of the matter. And there's a reason why there is a goal number at the bottom. Of, of the lead tracker because you should know just like we did this morning you you should know what I would like right you guys uh, Jay how much for CCRs what's a goal for you on a monthly basis 12 I mean that's you hit it and you guys are you guys are I like think you're pounding the team for it right it's a focus so we start with the every morning. Yeah. After what? Oh, after, okay. All right. I thought it was a TV show. It's like, no, I get it to book. All right. But, 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 but that in and of itself is, is the essence of why you're here. And your leads do come. Everybody's familiar with the bottom of the lead tracker and the classifications, correct? Raise your hand if you're not. Okay, we're good. So all database and then, of course, realtor ad. Uh, so... You have to know, and it's extremely important that everybody on the team knows, this is our goal. It's 10 CCRs a month. It's 10 pieces. Then it becomes a game of, hey, we're short on this. Make sure that the conversations with the clients reinforce, hey, we need more clients just like you. You're great. Trigger words like, oh, my gosh, your team's amazing. That's great. Who else can we be amazing for? Things like this. You know, we, we do such a, and I'm a perfect example of it, to be honest with you. I believe that I do such a good job and that my relationship is so strong with, with most of the clients that I engage with that, gosh darn it, they should just refer me, right? Gosh darn it. Zimmy's the variable. The fact of the matter is, is the majority of people in our society don't refer. It's not, it's not in their best interest to refer unless the experience is exceptional and they want their friends to, to go through the same experience. But we forget there's a lot of risk that goes, goes along with that, right? How many of you have referred out a painter or a roofer and, and had somebody come back three days later and go, the guy you sent me never called me back? And I'm like, ugh. Well, that'll be the last time I refer him. You know, that kind of thing. So th there are a number of, of steps that go into this. Number, number one is you have to know what it is you want. Um, number two is you have to know what the client wants. And number three is you have to deliver just a little bit extra. Sound familiar? Anybody? Yeah? So one form, I don't know if most of you have heard of, and I, this is something I don't understand. This is totally a core form. I didn't make it up. But starting in 2009, I think it must have been Dayton that made me do an end-of-the-year lead tracker. If you have ever been one of my students and you were my student at the end of the year, you have completed this form. And I have I've completed it every year since 2009. So I want you to write that down, and I want you to get it from your concierge if you have not done it. And what it does is it takes your pay logs for the year and it takes your lead trackers for the year, and it has you see how your conversion is. So let's say from CCRs, how many you got, how many you converted, right? That's nice because that's important. But on the bottom, it shows you how much money you made directly from each lead source. And so the best is all everyone's, oh, I'm 90%, you know, past clients. And then they fill out the form, and they're like, whoops, not so much. Or so, and it shows you your missed opportunities. Right, so we're doing our end of year offsite. That is the beginning of our end of year offsite. We fill this form out every year. What did we do well? What did we not? What systems do we have to work around the different lead sources? 
So it's something you all should be doing. Yeah. Well, it really depends on the classification of the lead. So an ad lead, let's dare I say the word, um, three to five percent for an ad lead for an online marketing. If they're warm leads, you should be competing. Com com Converting, competing, I don't you should be converting at least 50% in my opinion. So we convert about 80% of our warm leads. So I get fewer leads. I do because Rick's always like, you're not getting enough leads. I'm like, well, I convert this many. He's like, that's better. But the important thing is you're going to see truly your your conversion, right? Like, so you're going to how am I doing? Did we got this many CCRs? We converted this many, and guess what? We made this much. So you can talk to your team and say, look, our number one source is, and we made this much money from it. Our number two source is, and we made this much money from it. But hey, look at the conversion rate for this. Why isn't it better? We need a system around that, right? So we need a better system for the team and I to convert our CCRs. We need a better system so PCRs are strong. What are we doing? Oh, well, we didn't do EOS enough. Let's add more of those. Does that make sense? So it gives you a very tactical way to deal with that. You're welcome, Scotty Foreman. So, all right, any questions about initial contact? Because we got to get in three more things. Yeah. I did not make it. It was the core. Yeah. I promise. Detailed year in review. I call it an end of year lead tracker. It's the detailed year in review. So please ask for that. And if I'm coaching you right now, you won't have to because you're already doing it. So, so database and sphere obviously convert at the highest. Anybody yeah. have another lead source that converts higher than that? Really, nobody has nobody. You know, nobody's closed a deal from anything outside of ad or database. Cool. Yeah. Farming. Okay, so geo farming. I like that one. Anybody else? I love that one. Okay, and I'm just going to put that as it's probably I would have done as number two. Okay. Um, but. I would say this is where we miss the mark. Businesses, um, chamber, being involved in our community, um, people that are connected. We could we could use attorneys. We can throw in CPAs. We can throw. I will tell you, the general public looks to people in certain professions as as experts, and it may not be their realm. Real estate falls underneath both legal and financial. So CPAs, financial advisors, um, one of my best referring sources is an anesthesiologist, uh, but attorneys, anybody in a, a position where people would go to them and, and they already have intimate knowledge about something of their life, and then they say, by the way, do you know a good real estate agent, do you know a good mortgage lender, things like that. So. If you don't have these people plugged in to your marketing, to your, to, to in, you should be spending four, half of your day, four hours a day, should be in green time. Right? Call, mail, visit, do videos, be involved, belly to belly, face to face. That's, that's the business you're in. If you don't like it, then everybody's looking for an RP2. Um, is that bad? <laughs> I heard a groan. <laughs> uh, and, and there are a number of tactics to get these, right? So we can, we can set appointments with, we can ask our database for referrals to. Um, raise your hand if you're familiar with the Triangle of Trust. Yeah. Any? No? No? 
that big. All right. Okay, so so let's let's so we're gonna that, that, so, yeah. that phone call happened, and let's put it into a more realistic scenario. So Marjorie gets a lead um, from Scott. Scott Scott the lender sends over, and I am the lead. My name is Mike. We're gonna get crazy. So you are the real estate agent. You are my good buddy. You've done a few loans for me over the years. I really appreciate you. And now I'm moving to a really nice neighborhood and I need a real estate agent. So you send Margie over to me. Would you like me to call you? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> ring, ring. Hello, this is Marjorie Adam. Hey Marjorie, this is, this is Mike Wood. Hey, I'm, I'm a buyer. Looking for a home, and my buddy Scott over at Cross Country, where are you at? Yes. Of course. You guys, it's more than a mortgage. My, my buddy Scott over at Cross Country sent, gave me your name and number and said you might be able to help me. Fantastic. Oh, I'm triangling. I thought you were triangling. I was like, wait a minute, you got this backwards. So the key on the triangle, I'm going to step out for one second because I just want to tell you where we all do it wrong, including me, is we have this triangle that looks like this. Right, so Scott, Scott, no, no, do, do it, and they'll tell you where you, where your Jay will tell you where you're messing up. Don't yeah, worry. I don't need Jay to tell me. So okay, they'll do it. Okay, so Mike. Yes. So before we get started, and I'm looking forward to helping you. Can you tell me how you know Scott? Okay, so it's a funny story. Scott and I were in the military. We were bunk mates in the Navy. Months at sea. Probably some of the best years of my life. So we go way back. That's wonderful. So just so you know, Scott is my lender. I work with him all the time. Here's what I know. If he sends you to me, you're going to be a great client. Because everyone he sends over to me, he's already taken great care of you on his end, and he knows I'm going to take great care of you on mine. So I'm super excited to work with you, because anyone that Scott sends, I know we're going to take great care of, and you're going to really love working with us and trust us. Oh, that sounds great. So to me, that's the end, right? That's right. the hard part is we say, oh, I know Scott, you know Scott, let's roll. Right? So if Scott trusts me and Scott sent you, right, then you can trust me because Scott trusts me is the end of the triangle. Right? And I think that's the end that we all forget. And I'm, I am too. I'm like, oh, cool. Scott, love him. You love him. I love him. What are you looking for? Right? And I'm like, yeah. That's it. We leave it a little bit short. Yeah. We, don't, we don't bring it in. And a lot of us have a hard time saying that little part because it's a little awkward, right? That, well, if you trust Scott or if Scott trusts you and Scott trusts me, right. then I'm sure that we can trust each other. Correct? Right. Yeah. So he's gotten into building rapport, which is good, but I just want to make sure real quick. That's okay. Let's go. That's any, I want you to take two seconds, though, before we move on. So we talked about, I want a commitment, like basically you raise your right hand, my left hand, and say, I commit that when I go back, I am going to, no, you're going to write it, that you can keep talking to me, too. Yeah, that's great. I commit that when I go back, I am going to do a way better job on what on my greatness tracker i am going to do a way better true vip call yeah. i am going to do a bit deeper tuesday update call i am going to when i meet with a business partner go deeper into that meeting right ask how so if i'm meeting with scott in a business partner meeting i ask who is current realtor is how can I get on this list what do you love about them I would love to know more about you I'd love to do business with you tell me and I'm going to send you business Scott tell me what you're looking for in a realtor right what are you looking for in a client who's your ideal client that I could send to you right we're going to do a much better meeting so I need you to commit to on your greatness tracker that you're required to do anyway 
what are you going to commit to doing? Take about 30 seconds and write it down, then we're going to continue in building rapport. Be truthful. Yeah. All right, so just take a sec. What you're going to commit to. Then what you're going to do is, whoever your coach is, you're going to say, I was in Marjorie and Mike's class. Here's what I'm going to commit to doing until the end of the semester on my greatness tracker. Because the problem is you come to this class, you're like, oh, that's a great idea. That's so fantastic, but I'm not going to do it. Okay, so write that down. Now, second part is building rapport, right? And we got into that. So Mike was talking about the triangle for trust. But here's the key on building rapport, right? So this is where they decide, I like you, I trust you, I want to work with you, right? I like you, trust you, want to work with you. And it's fast. So I don't know about you, I make pretty quick gut decisions. I meet someone and I think, yes, I could get along well with that person. I'm a high D. I'm also very not patient. So you don't have a lot of time to really build rapport, right? I think you make quick, whether it's subconscious or conscious, as you're building rapport, right? So it's fast. It's how you present yourself. It's a lot of things, right? Triangle for trust is a huge part of that. But let's talk about a couple tactics, right, for building rapport, right? I think... Most likely, I feel like most salespeople don't struggle with this part as much. It's more a problem on the closing, a little bit not enough initial contact, but quite frankly, I feel like most people, unless they're like super shy and not outgoing, the building rapport part probably isn't as hard, except I think there's one major thing that most people do wrong. Would you like to know what that is? Yeah, we're dying. Oh, well, for me, yes. I'm not a big toucher. Like, I'll give you a big hug when I love you, but otherwise, it's like, yes. That's, that's not it, but that's a good answer. <laughs> so, you guys need to be more interested and less interesting. So, here's the thing. So, we just, I won a listing just last week, and the question I always ask, you know, I like to win. That's key. I don't care if it's, you know, throwing axes. I want to beat you at that, too. But... The thing he said was he interviewed two other people and not one of them asked them any questions about them. What they needed, what they wanted, what was important to them, you're interviewing people why, what, what's, you know, none of that. It was all basically throwing up right. how great they are, how many houses they sell, here's what I'm going to do for you, here's why you should pick me. And understand he made a really good point that I think you guys should all know in terms, I assume you're all competent. Right, like you're here because I've heard your name, I saw you on Zillow, my friend told you to call me. So basic, like, you know the basics of your job, I'm going to assume. Right, so if you're thinking building rapport, there's many good components to that. Right, so we said they have to trust you and they have to feel like they know you and they like you. But a lot of it is the conversation you have. So one of the big things is the questions you ask. Right, so you need to think really hard when you're doing a buyer consult, if you're doing a seller consult, what questions are you asking them? That's a really good, we could use that for table work if you'd like. Yeah. So what kind of questions do you guys ask of the clients to build rapport? Um, take whoever wants to go first. Give you Let's do longest hair. This 45 time. seconds. That might be Fletch actually at that too. <laughs> and go. <laughs> share so per table what you think was like a question that you're like oh I need to ask that or what was like the best question you heard that you can share with others that they can implement and add so from you guys like did you get one question you were like oh that's a good one yeah do you uh, buy your seller yes 
it's funny how we don't think about you go in a listing appointment you're like you have 2,000 square feet and you, it's this much and we'll get you this much over asking and I'll take your photos and you're not like where are you going do you have a realtor there can I refer you so yes when you're selling do you also need to buy good thing to coach your realtors on Scott raise your hand if you do that consistently good for you guys love that okay what about from here um, she said that she goes in and she's like, well, so tell me about your life. So what's going on? Where do you work? What do you do? What do you like for fun? You? And she finds out all the stuff about them before she dives into the, let me tell you how great I So she goes personal first, right? And doesn't go, I'm fabulous. She gets to go outside and get her hula hoops for that whole part, <laughs> huh? Yeah, and the sparklers. I go into my presentation. I go, okay, this is all about me, so let's get this. That's what that's what real estate agents are known for, though, right? Walking in, going, you don't have to tell me about it. I've seen this floor plan a bunch of times. Yeah, no, um, it's not as nice as you think it is. I understand, <laughs> but when you remodel in 2005 and it's now 2021, I don't think so. But right, yeah. instead of thank you so much for allowing me to come over to your home, this is beautiful. Well, would you like to show it to me? Would you like to sit down? It's up to you. There's a uh, CD that I used to listen to over and over from one of these, and Dayton said he walks up to the door, rings the doorbell, and they would say, would you like to walk the house? And he would say, no, I'd like to sit down for a few minutes. And it's, it's, a, uh, it's a means to take control of the conversation. And then I've realized over time that I'm not even like that at all. I'm like, hey, up to you. It's, it's your home. Thank you for having me over. But what I found is that a lot of my competitors spend so much time shooting their own horn and hitting them with dollar per square foot, and average days on market and things like that, that they come back. And this is also why I have a woman that attends the listing presentation with me because sometimes they just don't want a guy. One of them is like, eh, I liked her. She was a lot sweeter. She was more empathetic. I felt more safe with her. So I saw what the weakness was and I hired to it. So, but I, I love that, right? Being interested in them and letting them take over. What about you guys? Yeah, so um, I'm kind of Obviously, there's a reason I'm sitting here. You haven't had somebody that you like and trusted before, so that's why I'm sitting here. So, what about your real estate experience has been so bad that I'm actually sitting here? Okay, very nice. You're going to say what their bad experiences have been, then I'll just reiterate and I've kind of got like a cheat code of what not to do. Excellent. Okay. What about you guys? Oh, sorry. He so, sorry. so basically what, what Greg had said was, has the client had past real estate experiences that were negative? And what about those experiences made it negative? Yeah, so I'm, I'm obviously sitting here for a reason if you're interviewing. So let's talk about that, right? So getting into the, the meat of that pretty quickly. Right, because you, you, if they say, well, the last one just came in and told us what the dollar per square foot was for the comps, and that was the price, and we didn't like that because they didn't take into account that we had remodeled our house in 2005. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, I love the remodel, right? They, yeah. What, it, let, let's expand on that for just a second. Um, tell me, when you purchased this home, what was it about this home that got you to buy it? What do you love about your house? What is it you would change if you could? Things like that. So I just want them talking because they will, over time, tell me 
what they want to hear later on in the conversation, right? And, and all of us have the ability to do it. Some of us are better at it than others. The more you practice this, the better at it you will get. But if you simply listen, they will tell you what, what they want. And ask the right questions, right? Yeah, that's, you got to get them talking. But they have to feel comfortable with you, too. Did you guys have a good question you wanted to share with the crowd? Yeah. Because you're so nice. That's right. Huh. So how do you connect with them on a personal level? Um, so if you could ask a question like, you've been seeing a lot going on in the house, and you take care of some of the things download, maybe you can create some kids in the house, and you can talk about that. I like that. Yeah, so get them talking about personal things. You know a great way to do that? is the all about you form. Oh. So here's the funny thing. So I, of course, am like, I got this figured out. I have this wonderful, emailable, self-syllable, beautiful form. And I send it to them, and I'm so proud of myself. It's so dumb. So dumb. So if you're sitting, I mean, if you're sitting at the appointment and you're going through, you know, the questions, what's most important to you? What didn't go well last time? I know you're interviewing realtors. Let's start with your questions first. That's my favorite because they're like, I don't have any questions. Um, but if you pull out the, you know, you're going through some of the meat, you pull out the all about you and you start going through it. Say, I know this, I've got some questions for you. Tell me about your pets. So I have five dogs in case you don't know. And I have, I, you either think I'm nuts or you're going to relate to me, but, you know, what's important if they have pets? Let's talk about that. So do we need a fenced-in yard? Like, tell me what that means. And, oh, my gosh, I have that, too. And do you take them over here? And I love these biscuits, right? Like, I start, I'm sorry. I swear to you. Tell me about, you know, they have two kids. What's most important? Oh, they play soccer. Do we need to be close to the soccer fields? Like, you can really start winding in these things. Why is this important to you personally? Why? So it's this great way to connect with them. And, you, and then people are like, why do you ask about their restaurants? You know, because that's on there. Why would I ask that? Well, I like to eat. My husband's a chef. But it's a connection with them. Well, we love, you know, the IV. And, oh, my husband was their pastry chef. You never know what the connection is going to be there. Um, sometimes they have the same birthday with you. So if you guys aren't really all about youing in the building rapport, and by the way, if you want to bring in the we need your help form, the best is through the all about you. Right? So when all about you, so we're moving because our yard isn't big enough and we have too many pets. Well, you know, as we talked about, we, we're definitely going to be asking for referrals and everything, but who else do you know? Like, who else do you know that might need more room or has outgrown their home or who else might be moving right now because this, right, that you can tie these two forms together so well. But I assure you no one else is asking them about their pets and why this is important. Like, if you want to really build rapport, you got to care about what they care about. Right, so these are just really key ways to bring, and that's fun, right? Like I love talking about this stuff. So let's pretend I walk up to Marjorie's house. I can pick up things in, in the front of her home, the type of car she drives. Um, the best one, I'll, I'll give you this real quick. So my RP2 and I are walking up to a, a prospective client's house. The guy's got a Raider. Now, we live in Reno, Nevada, so we were between L.A. or Vegas and Oakland. This guy's got a Raider sticker on the back. And my guy looks at it and he goes, oh, he's a Raider fan. And I go, yeah, and you? And he goes, I'm a Raider fan, too. <laughs> now, he's been a Dallas Cowboys fan his whole life. But here's the dude. Yeah, the, the guy's in the hunting. I'm in the hunting. The guy, exactly. I, I almost got um, let go from a listing because I pulled up in a big truck. I have a, a, a large four-door pickup. And the guy's got American flags flying, and we had a great time. Just hit it off. 
I came back two days later driving a Tesla. He was not impressed at all. Did not like me. We were already in contract, though, so it was okay. So you have to be extremely... Here's what I'm going to tell you. Especially in that initial contact, this is our first meeting. You are being judged as, as much as somebody coming in trying to be on your team. They are looking for, is this somebody that I want to, you know, row the boat with? Is this somebody that I want, am I going to trust them? So you have to do a number of things. Um, building trust is absolutely number one. And the way you build trust is through commonality. We are the same. You know, we have different jobs and we have different walks of life, but you and I, man, do I like you, right? You're my buddy. And you wouldn't let somebody else list your house, would you? You'd let your buddy list the house. That's, that's exactly, I've got mm, 30 to 60, maybe 75 minutes to make a new best friend. And, and that's what I'm there for. I, I will not let a listing presentation go or a buyer consultation go without saying, damn, I, I, I pulled out all the stops, but there is no way that we're going to see eye to eye. And I've, I've lost to competing agents and gone, yeah, I know exactly why I lost that one. I get it. Fine, not, not my cup of tea. So if you guys think about all this, Right. What's something that you can work on on your building report? Again, I'm assuming you're all good at it. But is it asking better questions, being less interesting? Is it something you're going to change in your presentation? Is it actually using the all about you form as like the best way that you can right, to really show them that you care? Is it now I'm going to incorporate this? So I want you to take a second before we get into closing to really say, here's what I can really work on in building rapport. For you, Tori, what you do? So I, I do research of our potential clients before I even go to the appointment. How? Um, I'll scope them out on Facebook. Facebook. So you'll cyber stock. And the reason why is I've had a past experience where I like totally bonded with their dog and the wife with the dog and the mm -hmm. husband wouldn't hire me because I was too relatable and we didn't think I was professional or Mm. Shrewd enough. I so the so the way that can be fixed is while you're being interviewed, really, and you're building rapport, your questions need to determine are they a D, are they an yeah. I, are they an S, are they a C? And in that case it sounds like he's a D, so then you have to speak to him in his kind of language. Which is a whole nother class and it's gonna be taught by a couple of guys behind you. All right, so building rapport, pretty key, right? So I think then now we talk about, okay, we had our initial contact. All right, I'm great at building rapport. Now it's time to close. So are you all clear on your go-to closing style? You should be. I mean, my gosh. You use it, whether you know it or not, or whether you intend to or not. So it's really, we got to develop also for DISC some different closing styles. But so we're going to go through a couple of them. Shockingly, my closing style is very different than Rick Ruby's. I mean, I can't imagine, right? But so I have always been kind of an option or assumptive closer. Right? So even if we're interviewing the whole time, so if Beth Ann's interviewing me, it's when. So, you know, when we take your photos, which we can do next week, by the way, this is what we do. So when we print your flyer, when we put the sign in the yard, I'm a very assumptive closer, right? So when, the whole time I'm saying when, and I'm getting them to nod their head. 
right? So when we do this, when we do this, and then we'll do this. And then option closing, I will do kind of at the same time. So when we sign the listing agreement, we could do it for 500000 knowing we're going to get bid up, or do you want, we can do 525 and we'll probably have less of an escalation, which do you prefer? Right, so I option and assumptive them kind of the same because I'm I am a super high D. I really am. I've got a lot of I in me, but I'm a very high D. But I'm not a high D in my closing, which is interesting. I'm not like a pushy closer. I'm a kind of the sign here, but in a smiley, nice Marjorie way, right? So you've got to think about your closing styles and how you adopt them, right? So I'm also a why or why not closer. So we need to talk, we're not ready to sign. Well, why are you not ready to sign it? So I know we've talked about the different things we started and I asked you what's most important to you, why you interviewed our team, what you heard about us, how you feel about specific marketing. So what have I not answered for you yet that makes you feel comfortable that we would be the right fit for you, right? So why, why, or why, not? why would you not move forward with listing with us? Right? So, and what else do I need to answer for you? So for me, those are really kind of my three, the assumptive, the option, the why or why not, which I will kind of wind all together. And the fun part is you all know, because you do this, they sort of look at each other like, yeah, why would we not do this? And it's like, I agree. So I'll even say, hey, I know you had to talk to a couple other people. If you're uncomfortable, I'll call them for you. Right? And tell them that you went ahead and made your decision. Because that's really what they don't want to do, right? Like they don't want to have to. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to help you. I know them. I'll totally. I can call them for you. So those are mine. So Mike Wood. Yep. When you're closing, what are your closing? What, what page are we on for this class? <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Jay. And it does have the closings on there. It has different closings. We stuck some closings in there for you that you guys can kind of focus on. My favorite is the fear-based close. But let me before we. Yeah. What are they Someone's not surprised. Oh, really? Well, and, and I just figured we go around the room and ask. Yeah. You guys, you guys all have like your little little move, right? You know. Then I slide this in on them, and they're like, "Whoa! Of course I'll sign." So my my number one, far and away, is an assumptive close. And the way it's done, and it's probably reflective of the fact that I don't like to close hard to my clients. I have no problem with the negotiation side um, fighting, but I don't want to come off as a pushy car salesman. So, I mean, this industry has already got a bad enough rep. We do, we bring two forms with us along with the CMA and listing presentation. One form is the disclosure form, which in our state is two pages of yes no boxes and then three other pages that they really don't have to fill out unless there's explanations and i just tell them hey listen you're interviewing three agents that's fine how many of you talk to and then i ask who are the agents because i'm not allowed to speak disparagingly about any agent that's against the realtor code of ethics so i do that simply to say hey i'm a professional and i know the rules okay Let's, let's, now let's get back in this box. But I can give you a, a thumbs up, thumbs down as to whether or not they're actually competition for me, right? Because there are, and James is in my market, and James can tell you, there are some agents that if you said their name, I would be like, dude, listen, you don't have to hire me. But I'm going to tell you out of those three, it's going to be me or it's going to be James. And James and I have competed against each other. And if he wins, then God bless him, he wins. And if I win, huh, you suck. Oh, no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Uh, 
so there's two forms. One is that disclosure form, and I just tell them, it doesn't matter who you choose. You're going to have to fill this out. And it's kind of a pain. And rather than do what everybody else does and just leave it with you, I would like to take a few minutes to help you fill it out. We're just going to go over it, but it has to be in your handwriting. Right? So if you have questions, let's just let's do that. Oh, and while we're doing that, here's an all about you form. I'd like to go through some of those questions and get some of your cool. It's 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 not challenging for them, it's not invasive for them. They're now sharing information with me. Oh my gosh, you're a Raiders fan? Guess what? So am I. So it gives me a good chance to say, oh, your favorite restaurant is blank? Man, my wife loves that place. In fact, one time she was eating the eggplant parm, whatever. The stories, this is where it is. I am no longer playing the role of a real estate agent applying for a job, and you are no longer playing the role of somebody interviewing agents. I am simply sitting here with you, and we're going to get this done because, gosh darn it, you need it done. Now, if I'm not going to be your agent, there's no sense for you to fill out an all about you form, and you've already filled it out. So, right behind that's the contract. We can just, if you want, we can do it right now. I've already booked a photographer. He's going to be here tomorrow. That's fine. So there are a number of ways to do the assumptive close. Um, I, the fear-based close is great because whew, I'm glad you're interviewing agents. I would, too. What is it you're looking for? Well, we're looking for somebody with experience and, of course, low price. We don't want to pay a large commission. Oh, I totally get it. I wouldn't want to pay a large commission either. Just we get paid a ridiculous amount of money. Well, the good ones do. There are 3,000 agents. Is there 4,000 now? There's a lot of agents in this town. In fact, in fact, there are five times more agents than there are sales. That means there are a lot of agents that are not eating food right now. I mean, they're... they're I was at Trader Joe, and I saw another real estate agent, and they told me, oh, I do it for the discount. And I was like, I go for you. No, no lie. There was a real estate agent working at Trader Joe that was checking me out. So it was not like, like hey, check me out, but like scanning the food. <laughs> and I was like, I get it. I mean, you can just go like this and pray that that agent's going to do a good job and hold your interest over the fact that they need the money really badly. Or... You can simply have me do it, and I'll take great care of you. It'll be a wonderful experience. I'll get you top dollar. Sound good? Cool. So, yeah. So you guys need to obviously have your styles, practice other closing styles, right, and master different ways to close different personality types as well. Can, I, can, we, can we pull the room? Does anybody have something that they do that, that really is a secret sauce that, that they're like, oh, my stuff is good? Come on, Hedva. Share with us. Share with us. Do you bring do you bring treats over or anything? What do you do? Hmm? One thing that I do that's a little bit different is the great day flesh. Ask me to send it to him because... Because what? Jay's the best copier I've ever met. Well, I go in and I tell them when I sit down, I sit down the difference between me and any of the other agents who are going to call is I believe that an agent that has been in the game is going to be more motivated to sell your home than one who does not. And so I offer these, a choice of one of these services at my cost to show you 
not only do I want to sell your house for the best price, but I'm going to invest my own money into it. So what you, what you just did was you put yourself on the other side of the line with them, right? So now, now it's no longer... We, I got to go sell the house for you. It is we have to sell the house for us. And then when I say, oh. I, before I put your house on the market, I'm going to have $1,500 of my own money in it, who do you think is going to be on the motivated to sell your house? Right, exactly. Like, oh my God. And that works for you. Yeah. It does. I like, what are the three services that you offer? I said it's five. We do pressure washing, house cleaning, that's good for my number one. Um, we'll do hallways, they've got it. Fair. I like that. So, I mean, I'm sorry. If one of you does not have a pen in your hand and you are not writing this down, you are cray cray. So, okay. So, Beth Ann basically has this menu of five different services that she says she will offer at her expense, right? So, power washing, touch up painting, house cleaning, hauling away. Staging, right, at her expense. So she's going to invest the money. So not only is she going to prove that she's going to work hard for them, she's going to invest her own money into this. And then on the flip side, of that, I mean, not the, you know, but toot that horn, baby, toot it. The agents that call say, "I love showing your listings. They're always ready to be." I love that. And and if you want to take it a little bit deeper and expand on it, you could say, "Hey, my buyers." or my sellers get up to a $1,500 allowance to do repairs, to do touch-ups, to stage, da, 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 and don't worry about it. I'm basically gonna loan you the money or my vendor has agreed to hold payment until close of escrow. And we're just gonna pay out of proceeds. Go ahead, Jay. Do it. Now she can leverage the vendor for additional growth. Say it one more time, I'm sorry. Now she can leverage those vendors and I'm going to say it again because we're being recorded. Now you can leverage the referrals from those vendors. I'm sorry. We can just, we're leaving. We're done. We're done. Thanks, Jay. I mean, guys, come on. These are things that, who does this? Nobody. So you're competing with different realtors. So instead of when you freak out because they ask you what your commission is and you're like, uh, 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 the other person said they do after 5%. Peace out. I'm not doing that. Here's what I'm offering you. And then the next part about that is so I just recently had this situation come up and she goes, well, you do it for 5%. And I said, well, do you want my services? And they're like, well, absolutely. I can't do those for less than 6%, and they'll go, okay. Well, they need it. They want a disc. They want something. So, okay, I'll pay for your home to be cleaned. We do that all the time. We will pay for a post. You're to move out. I got your house cleaning. Oh, thank you so much, and it cost me $200. So if you offer something, right, you're invested in it, there are many ways you can make that work. I want to make sure we get to follow up to before we run out of time. Can I just be clear? Because I'm yeah. a little slow. What you're telling me is I walk over, I walk into your house and I say, hey, I'm going to sell your house and I'm, I've got five different vendors and you can pick it, pick a choose. You got $1,500, that that'll come out. You'll reimburse at the end, but I'm going to pay for, or I'm just going to provide it. And then I'm, and let's say it's Marjorie and, and she has that uh, power, power washing thing. And then I'm going to go to Marjorie and say, hey, Marjorie, 
this is what I'm setting up. Would this be cool? But then I can also say, if you want more business, just find me more listings. Or just give me that for $100. If you want to sell their house, I'll have you power wash, and you can power wash all day long because Marjorie's company is based on power washing. She doesn't care about who's selling home, right? She'll go out and bird dog for you all day long. Oh, that's smart. Okay, I get it. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, guys, closing, obviously. Close often. That's asking for business. You're not going to increase your sales if you don't get better at closing, right? Your way, but then really practice them. You know, these are things you've got to practice. If you don't get into enough appointments, you've got to practice it. So closing is super important. However, what I find most of my students aren't great at is the follow-up. Now, I want to be clear, follow-up, we're going to talk about follow-up to me is fulfilling promises. That's simple. Right? So it's like if you say, I'm really bad at follow-up, then you're not fulfilling promises. You're also saying your referrals later don't matter, and you just mattered to me right now until closing. It's kind of that's just a message you're delivering, let's be clear. But so follow-up, let's also think about is several different things. So Mike's going to cover some, some parts of this too, but let's be clear if we're following up, we're following up with our prospects, right? So leads that are short-term and long-term. We have to follow up with these because otherwise they go away. So prospects following up. We're following up for CCRs, right? So, hey, I'm going to do all of these things. You're going to hear from me every Tuesday. We're going to stage your house, blah, 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 and then, you know, deliver on your promises. You're following up for referrals, right? You've got to follow up your referral partners as well. So one of the things Rick talked about this morning is your referral system. Right? So to me, after, if Scotty gives me a great referral, he would have gotten a note and a, and a gift right away. But I think a great follow-up, again, is at closing or after closing, it's, hey, thank you so much. I really want to take you to lunch. They were some of the best clients I've ever worked with. Right? I really want to show you my appreciation. Right? And then follow-up with business people. Because here's the problem. You guys are like, I am going to get 100 business people. I had a great first meeting, and I can't understand why I'm not getting all their business. So it's like you called him once, you had a meeting, you guys were like, I like him, he likes me, I can't, it's just not happening. And it's like, Wah. you can't have a one meeting, what's the next meeting? Or if I'm meeting with you, what's the point? And then the follow-up is, what did we talk about in this meeting that we're going to set our next meeting for? And then I'm going to invite you to one of my events or happy hours, and then I'm going to figure out how to send business your way, and then maybe we can teach a class together, right? Like, what is the follow-up? What was the point? So you guys, if you're not good in your follow-up, and if you didn't write down prospects, CCRs, referrals, and business people, you have to have systems for all of them. It's not just your past clients, right? Because we get a lead. They don't need to move till next March. We're like, well, it's November. Who cares about March? Well, do you need to eat in March? I do. So if you guys don't have longer-term follow-up programs with your leads and with your team. But I just want you guys to think, because people, I think, follow up, and they're like, I'm great. I send them, you know, pumpkin. I'm like, sweet. But what about your prospects? What about for CCRs, right? What about with your referral partners? What about business people meetings, right? You meet with them. You forget about them. You have poor follow-up. So you yep. recognize this birthday point. Right, so, so you're like, you measure the to closing. And then just tell you, like, I've done a really good job you do that as a realtor? So in terms of if I have a lead, for example. What's the percentage of your leads that close? Like I know for a lender, 
right? The national average is 22 percent. Quarter's around 25. We're trying to get anybody to 30 percent needs to close. Right. We do that as a, as a real estate. So we do that, yes, because I use my form that I track throughout the year and at the end of the year. So any of our warm sources, we're at about 68 percent that close. Right, so, but that's because that's what I, my, my sole focus is. I'm small too, and I don't get a thousand leads. So when I get a lead, like here's what you guys need to think about too, and, I, and then I want Mike to do 30, 60, 90 days. If you're thinking it follow up, I don't understand it. Because if you know what your average price point is, right? So my average commission is about $15,000. So if I get a lead and I don't follow up with them, I'm losing $15,000. So I'm not trying to monetize you or any person, but if I don't have a system in place to not lose that, how many leads am I getting every month that's 15,000 bye-bye, 15,000 bye-bye, right? Every business partner that I have, if I don't follow up with them and take great care of them, how much am I really not losing? I'm not only losing the relationship, but I'm losing current, future, all this potential business. So you guys, follow up isn't just, oh, I missed that. Because if I didn't call Mike back and Mike needed to sell his house, you guys all think, oh, well, Mike might have needed to sell. Mike might have needed to buy. Mike might have had his cousin come into the town. Mike might have had three kids that needed to buy. Mike might have run a business. And I lost Mike. So it wasn't just losing Mike because I didn't call him back for this. I lost this whole relationship with Mike forever. Oh, no. So, yes, for each one of these, we have very – so we have – if you become a lead and we talk to you and you tell us you're going to move at a certain point, we absolutely have a follow-up system within calendar, within spreadsheets. With, we have our lead spreadsheet that says the last time I talked to you and the next follow-up and when it needs to happen. Yeah. So you guys, I mean, really, the lead tracker is the start. Right, but it's very important because you're not going to remember, right? Because I'm at the point now that it's like, oh, so I talked to someone two weeks ago. Yeah. So, Mike, you talk a little. So, yes, you have to have a complete I'll, I'll, system. I'll tell you what, and I mean, we are cutting dangerously close to questions. Like, I'm cutting into your time right now. The 30, 60, 90 day follow up is on page 142. That's your homework to read yeah. that. So, <clears throat> what I'll tell you, Scott, here's here's the problem is. A lot of us in this room can convert at a really high rate if the lead is qualified when it comes in. And I think where I missed the boat, and maybe some of you do also, is we fail to get our referral sources properly trained. Meaning, if Marjorie goes through the experience and she just sold a house and bought a house with me and my team and she's a raving fan, and I say, hey, gosh darn it, you're now a VIP, and this is what that means, and I really appreciate you for these reasons, if there's every, anything I can help you with. By the way, if you know of anybody that could also use our services on the buy-sell, we would love a referral, and we leave it at that. We don't say, listen, Marjorie, this is what we're looking for. We're looking for people that have the ability, um, have a definite timeline, and it can be 12 months. That's fine. My follow-up plan will take care of that. But the last thing I want is I don't want to reach out and have them ghost me and, and just never return or they don't text or what, you know. So, because I have to still mark that one on the lead tracker and I got to put their name down and everything. And then over on the box where it says calls, it's like one, two, three, four, slash, one, two, three. Still hasn't answered, da, 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 right? Because I've got to go back and give you feedback and say, hey, I haven't heard from Alfonso yet, but I'm going to keep trying. And then you're like, well, that's an uncomfortable conversation for a referral partner, just so you know. For me to go back and say, hey, Scott, uh, you referred Jay, and he's not answering the phone. 
What's that? Caller ID? Yeah, I don't blame you. I wouldn't answer the phone either. But the fact is, is that Scott sent me somebody. I thank you. Like Sandy sent me somebody. I was like, hey, thank you so much. Um, her client responded and it went through. But if Jay never... It, that's right. Well, that's all right. We got to have crazy every once in a while. Keep us on our toes. If Jay never responds and I go back to Scott and it's a different conversation because I think I'm updating him, right? I'm like, hey, this is just want to let you know. This is be very careful because the general public will go, I let you down. You wanted me to send you somebody. Gosh darn it, I thought I did. And now it's not working out. And now I feel bad for you. And I don't like feeling bad for you. So the surefire way for me to never feel bad for you again is to never send you anybody. And that's a, that's a, that is an honest... So, so, hey, listen, I really appreciate you sending so-and-so to me. I've reached out a couple times. I don't want to be a pain in their butt. Like, I'm here if they need me. But if they've found somebody else or they, they're dancing with someone else, we're good. You know, I just really appreciate you sending me. And, man, if if he decides to call, I'm right here. I'll keep on him a little bit. I just don't want to be a pest. Cool. But I really appreciate you doing this. I don't want you to stop the behavior, right? It's like the dog going out to pee, and then it, and when the dog comes back, you yell at it real quick. You did a good job! You know, the dog's like, whoa, that's a bit much. So you have to keep that in mind. We, gosh darn it, we, it feels like we covered so much. And we have like five minutes, though, for questions. Yeah, that's what I'd like to open it up for you. Is there anything that, that we haven't touched on that, man, if we had just touched on that thing, we would get a five? Like the only thing keeping you from scoring us on a five would be you didn't touch on the one thing. Please. Yes, sir. I think maybe going back, and this is probably not you guys, but going back to the closing aspect, I have a question because on our team we just started implementing like an option. So we have a 5% breakdown, 5.5 and a half Okay. And we're really trying to gear obviously towards the six. Okay. So what we've done is start with you know, 5% is. Right. Sure, sure. Here's, here's our bottom service. If you'd like the ultra premium, and then if you'd like the woo, blow your hair back. Exactly. Okay. And we do expensive coverage. You know, it's like a $500 budget to do repairs. Yeah. And then we'll get contractors in there. We'll stage it. We'll pay for inspection. Love it. Love it. So, is that a good system to have, or would you would you say it's that? That's called the lower the bar close, is what it is. Because what we what we want is we want the highest one, right? There's a group of us here, and I'm not allowed to talk about the actual numbers, but, but the one that sounds like six is the one we want. And then what, we're, what, we're, what you're setting up is, if we're not going to get it, then I'm going to go, well, if you don't want the ultra premium wash, how about just the premium wash? Or it sounds to me like your price point is our basic wash. Cool. That sounds great. It's okay with me. It's okay with you. You know, I mean... The premium, like, isn't for everyone. You know, maybe someday. It's like first class. You ever flown first class? It's nice. You should, but that's okay. We'll do the basics. So it, it, what, what you're doing is a closing technique. It's just a very, it's probably out of, and I don't mean to make it sound negative. It is, it is a, a very 
kind of like I'm I'm not really good at negotiations, so I'm just gonna we'll give it to you. Like just just step over. Is that standard? Like they haven't even asked you about lowering the commission, or is this someone beating you up for commission so you bring this out? So that's just part of the So I would never, ever, ever, never, never, ever, never, in case that wasn't clear, ever say anything other than six percent unless they are like, and if they do. Right. If they really do, then I would say, well, I'll have your home clean. Like, I'm going to do anything I can. Like, I don't want to ever introduce a 5% option or, or, or less than 6 because it sounds like, ooh, you will discount. So, to me, unless, like I said, they are pounding you and you have to offer a home warranty or I'll do a pre-inspection or I'll have your home clean. And most of the time, they just want something or they'll tell you someone else. So, Mike Woods said he would do it for 5%. And I'm like, well, yeah. I said, here's the problem. So you're interviewing me and you're expecting me to get the best price for your home, right? So that's why you're hiring me. But I've literally been here for 30 minutes and if I'm willing to take 1% off the commission rate that I charge, which is how I support my family and my team, and what am I going to do when the contract comes in and I'm going to tell you, obviously, to give up your money as well. My job is to fight for the value of your home and what I'm paid. So that person is clearly not, so Mike, unfortunately, not a great negotiator. Is that who you want really taking care of you? And that's part of, and, and I'm not berating or anything. I'm saying that's, you, as time goes by, you'll understand that that's simply a negotiation tactic. Anybody else? Oh Thank you gosh. so you much, guys. In time, we did it together. You've been listening to the Core's Sales Training Bootcamp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.lacourtraining.com.